Welcome, everybody. My name is Ken Seaton, co-founder of Athletes Touch with Justin Blaine. Welcome to the Tower of Power podcast that we've got coming at you right now. We're an exclusive community helping former pro and college athletes in the business world get ready to rocket fuel your ship, professionally speaking. I'm here. Justin, go ahead and take it away. If you like great stories, sports, and success, you're in the right place. Buckle up and join us for a great ride. Steve Odell has no regrets. He's a social media master and has co-founded a very successful matcha tea company called Tenzo Tea. Listen to this former Division I athlete talk about leaving college his senior year to pursue his entrepreneurial dream. You're not going to want to miss this one. So Steve came out to Athletes Touch a little more than a year ago. So here he is back kind of for part two, speaking to Athletes Touch. Uh, We're really excited to have you. I mean, a lot's changed, obviously. Uh, through COVID, but your approach and some of the things that you've been doing uh, differently to grow the Tenzo brand has been has been awesome. I've loved every every day being a part of it. So, uh, Steve, without further ado, let's go back to your background. Uh, growing up as a poor kid on the wrong side of the tracks in Rochester, uh, what was it like growing up very opposite of LA uh, as one of five boys? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, extremely different. But I mean, I also think it was like really rewarding and good perspective. So I'm like, if you don't know where Rochester is, which I'm assuming most people don't, you know, it's upstate New York. It's very poor and the city is like bankrupt. And, you know, we made national news four times this year and three of them were for like heinous crime. And another one was for this Kodak deal that's, you know, in shambles. And so there's not a lot going on and there's not a lot of opportunity. And, you know, I was very fortunate enough to also, I played volleyball at UCLA, so go Bruins. And, um, you know, I got to come to California when I was like 10 years old, and I'll never forget, you know, landing at LAX and seeing the big LAX and seeing palm trees and seeing cars that I'd never seen before. And I didn't understand why there wasn't rust on everything. And, you know, and that really was etched into my mind forever. And so when I had the chance to move out here, um, I took that. And, um, yeah, I think like one of the biggest lessons, you know, besides being the youngest boy, which is this is an athlete's group. And if there are any youngest children in here, you know how much you suffer uh, being the youngest child. Yeah. So I lost at everything um, growing up. I lost at volleyball and basketball. I was the slowest and the dumbest, you know, relative to my brothers who are 10 years older. Um, but that also taught me a really powerful lesson because relative to my cohort of peers, you know, I was learning things that were a lot more advanced, um, in athletics and math and like all these random stuff, you know, that your brothers become your teachers. So you develop this kind of weird dichotomy of like, uh, this, the ultimate inferiority complex of like, I'll never be as good as my brothers, but also like the superiority complex and like, I'm going to absolutely dust my peers and the people that are in my age bracket. I think that's kind of been like, that's like the essence of my psychology. It's like I work super hard, you know, and I really believe that I can also be the best if I put that in. That's kind of like the 101 on my upbringing, but um, I'm super happy to live in California. I live in Santa Monica right now and it's, um, it's beautiful. You know, we're going into winter and it's going to be 70 degrees every day. Um, can't ask for anything more than that. So you were a great volleyball player coming out of Rochester. And how did you end up at UCLA? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, I'm sure a lot of people on this call went through the process, you know, traditional recruiting. Um, I actually did my official visit with my current co-founder, Rob Page, who's also from Rochester. Um, He's from the suburbs, so, so, you know, much different um, upbringing, but super fluke scenario that, you know, Rob was actually the first player ever to go to UCLA from Rochester. Obviously, UCLA is a very good volleyball program, and then 
you know, based on my, I loved California and Robbie was there and we were good friends growing up. And so, you know, you got to take the opportunities when they come. All right. So talk us through, you went to UCLA, you were close to graduating yeah. and then what happened? Yeah. So I got like really into entrepreneurship. Um, and at UCLA, I discovered that, you know, you know, the first day when you come in as an athlete, you know, you meet the guys on the baseball team and on the basketball team, everyone's basically the best athlete from their hometown. Unless you're from like a really big city. And, um, and I thought that was pretty inspiring. And I had a thought, you know, very early on in college that, you know, maybe there are other kids in school that are just like us. And so turns out that the kids running student government, you know, are all like moving up in our government right now. And all the kids that, you know, are majoring in chemistry are all like doctors or, you know, scientists. And, um, yeah, so I was really, I just try to surround myself with a ton of different groups and I never really thought of myself as only an athlete. Um, and so I made a point to, you know, very early on in, at UCLA, like I created a position in the student government to align the political kids with the athletes. I also wrote for the newspaper and I did all these things, you know, that uh, pushed me into these other groups and kind of one of those, one of the, the biggest thing was this entrepreneurship course. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was an athlete, so getting straight A's was not my number one uh, focus. I took this uh, entrepreneurship class, and I got, you know, the highest score in the class, and my professor, like, loved me. And, um, you know, after that class, I went home that summer and started a really small company with my cousins, and, you know, we made 20K in six weeks. And so that was more money than I'd ever seen in my life. Then I went back to school and did a few more things, and then I was, you know, but when I went back to school, I was like, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, and I kept, like, saying that, and it was so funny, because everyone thought I was crazy, like, um, they would literally, like, laugh at me when I would say that, you know, and I was just like, no, like, this is who I am, like, you know, screw you guys kind of thing. That was really powerful, and then a few months later, you know, we, we um, had the idea for Tenzo and, and uh, left school, and the rest is history. So, take us through the beginning of Tenzo. Tenzo, obviously, is a, uh, a matcha tea company but that you started on, on your couch. How did that yeah. come to be through idea to, to actually launching? Yeah, the idea was actually really simple. You know, we had drank like five cold brews in one day and felt like shit. And um, that was pretty much it. And I Googled what's the healthiest form of energy and the, the answer on Google is matcha, you know? So then I, I uh, put that into Google trends and, if you're not familiar with Google Trends, it basically shows you aggregated search data over a period of time. And uh, it turns out a lot of people in the U.S. were searching for, you know, matcha and healthy energy. So, you know, I was like, oh, man, like maybe this is an idea. And then, you know, we were looking at competition and the market was super small, like no experience competition. There wasn't like serious players. There was no like big D2C brand. There was no one that was huge. And um, so, you know, we thought there was a pretty good opportunity. Yeah, so I was literally living on Robbie's couch. And uh, yeah, Rob and I started the company and we bought, you know, like 50 units from this guy in Arizona. We sold them, you know, and, and uh, that was crazy to us at the time, you know, and then we bought 100 and we sold them. And then we bought 500 and we sold them. It basically spiraled from there. And I can go into all these other stories. But um, yeah, it was, I th and I think that's like one of the biggest lessons I'd give to anyone that's really just starting is like, you don't need to sell $10 million. The goal is not to, the goal isn't, it might in the end be to, you know, make a billion dollar company, but you really need to figure out how to sell one unit. That I think that honestly segues pretty nicely into the sales question you're asking. It's like, you know, I literally would go and like start at Main Street in Venice 
And I would walk one side of the road till North Santa Monica and Rob would walk the other side of the road and we would pitch every single company on the path. You get a lot of no's and uh, you very quickly learn how to sell people and how to change their minds and, you know, pitch true value. Taking that one step further, like it, it didn't start like us walking this long road. We actually started with one coffee shop and this owner thought we were totally insane. And um, like she had, she had been to Japan. Like we could not even afford to go to Japan. We were buying from this guy in Arizona. She's like, I've been to Japan. Like I know matcha, like what, why, why are you guys selling this product? And so, you know, what we did is we went to the coffee shop just down the road, like a block away. And we ended up convincing them to buy the product. And then we went there, you know, on Saturday on, and on Sunday and we served matcha and we, we lived in the neighborhood. So we befriended everybody and we had our friends coming in. Everyone's buying matcha. And then we went back to the original lady who turned us down and we said, you know, Cassin Joe is uh, he's doing 500 cups a week. So 500 times five, he's doing $2,500 in profit. You know, you're, you're missing out on like, what are you going to do about that? you know, she bought our product and then we used that leverage of the two shops to expand out slightly. And we got a third shop and a fourth shop and a fifth shop. And that was all in Long Beach. And we built up this density by leveraging all these owners um, kind of against, against each other. Um, but, you know, providing them great value. And so we kept showing up on Saturdays and Sundays and we kept educating people and we kept giving away samples and, you know, doing all that good stuff. And, Eventually, then we went up to Santa Monica and Venice, and we would just walk the streets and you know close as many shops as we could. What, what I love is you didn't do anything revolutionary or at some <clears throat> skill level that anybody else can't replicate. It's you just outworked and out hustled to get there. And so I think that's a lesson lesson for anybody. It's you know you don't need to reinvent the wheel to be successful. It just takes that kind of perseverance. And is that what you would attribute that to? Yeah, I mean since we're all athletes, like we closed UCLA. So, you know, we sold in all the coffee shops on campus, right? This was like, this was the craziest deal of all time, you know, because we were like brewing alumni athletes and they just said no. And like, we couldn't find the guy. And like, and then we eventually found like someone in the athletic department, like found the head buyer of AS UCLA, you know, like big, big school. It's hard to find that guy. And uh, so we kept emailing him and kept emailing him. He would never respond. And, eventually like one day I just cleared the whole day and I said, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to campus. I'm not going to leave in, until this guy is buying Tenzo, you know? And so, and sorry, preemptively <clears throat> I started having everyone I knew at UCLA sending this guy emails recommending Tenzo. And yeah. So I went to the office and, you know, I eventually I was trying to figure out where this guy even was and it was super unclear. And so we get to Alfonso. And so Alfonso runs the distribution and warehousing, but he's not the buyer. And Alfonso's like, do you have a meeting with Nigel Benjamin? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, then you're not getting to talk to Nigel. And I was like, I'm not leaving this room until I talk to Nigel Benjamin. And Alfonso called Nigel Benjamin and said, um, hey, Nigel, I have Steve Odell here. Do you want to talk to him? Or like, what, what do I do? And Nigel was like, okay. And so Alfonso gave me like the death stare and like hands me the phone. And then Nigel comes on and he's like, Steve, you've got to stop this. I keep getting these emails from people like you got to stop. And he's like, what happened was Nigel said that there is another matcha company from UCLA alumni that, that he had to look at because he couldn't just say, yeah, Tenzo. So what happened was Nigel starts to read me this email 
you know, and it's like, it's, he's, it's from the UCLA VC fund, one of the guys that started and Nigel is like, you know, dear Nigel, there's this, these two great alumni, they started this amazing mantra company, you've got to bring them on campus, their names are, and then his voice just stops, because it was Rob and I. At that moment, he was like, all right, you know, like, send me over the, the price and we'll get a meeting with the head of the coffee department. And we went to that meeting and we closed the deal and, you know, Tenzo's now served, it was served all over campus, Yeah. Welcome to the intermission. Kent, who's this group for? Is it for Super Bowl champs? Shaq. How about cross-country skiers? Shaq. How about Olympic synchronized swimmers? Triple Shaq. So it sounds like anybody who has an athlete's mindset or mentality could qualify here. Quadruple check, Justin. This group is a rocket fuel powered community for former athletes to use their state of mind to succeed in the sport of business. Yeah, eventually you ended up going to Japan. You saved up enough money. And take us through your story about getting to Japan and meeting your supplier. Yeah, so we had this guy in Arizona. We figured out, we knew we needed to undercut him eventually. We found out who he was buying from. It was one of these two Japanese companies that sells to pretty much every other brand you see on the market. So we went to Japan to meet one of those companies. And on the last day, I was in the Kyoto train station and I Googled tea farms shops nearby. You know, it's a 20 minute train ride. And so we go there. And it's not really a tea farm when we get there. It's like this old Japanese couple. I didn't speak Japanese and um, they didn't speak any English. So we had this weird, you know, kind of few minute exchange. And um, eventually what happens was, you know, it's over. And so we start walking to the next one. So on the walk to the next one, like halfway in the walk, a black SUV pulls up. It's the guy from the shop. Doesn't say anything. All he does is motion. So we like look at each other like, you know, like, what should we do? So we get in this man's car, this complete stranger's car. And for the next several hours, we drove around with this man to tea farms all over Japan. So then on the, on the train ride back to Tokyo, we get an email from that guy's boss. That guy's boss is a tea don who sells traditional green tea, didn't sell any matcha. He's like, you know, do you want to make a deal? You know, I'm giving him the spiel, like we're going to kill it, you know, all that stuff. So eventually we meet that guy, like, this is super weird too. So this is like a top secret agreement because like we're taking on these two other Japanese companies because we want to crush them and win the market. So the World Tea Expo is like a few months later in June. He's like, meet me in this obscure spot, you know, and you know, we'll figure out a deal. So drove to Vegas because we couldn't fly, you know, still pretty much no money at this point. And drove there, meet him at this obscure spot, strike this deal with this guy to create a proprietary blend of matcha to take on the U.S. matcha market. And um, that's kind of been our bread and butter is that we have a better product at a better price. You know, and customers realize that whether you're, you know, a consumer or a cafe, you know, or a very large CPG company. And really quickly, for those who don't know, explain the difference between regular green tea and matcha. So matcha is a, is a powdered form chip, you got it, is a powdered form of green tea. Um, so I have some that I was drinking a little earlier, but it blends directly with water. So traditional green tea, you steep it through a bag, so you're not actually getting the full effects of the tea leaves. Matcha is a powder that you then blend with the water to get like a, or milk or whatever, what have you. And um, you get the full nutrients of the leaf. Matcha is also, it's a very, it's a younger tea leaf typically. And um, 
so it's actually much healthier. And they also shade grow it, which helps boost the plant's immune system um, and provide like an all around better product. So it's super, super good for you. I actually want to have you share now as, as you started to grow, you came back from Japan, you got these out of body experiences. I want you to talk about your encounter with Jeff Bezos and how you approached it. Uh, Cause I think that's one of the more fascinating stories <clears throat> I've ever heard. Yeah. So this is a wild one. Um, I was going to go meet like a buddy of mine uh, in Santa Monica at one of the, ten one of the Tenzo locations called Dogtown on main street. Highly recommend great breakfast burritos uh, if you're ever in town. And um, yeah, I got there early. I have a really good process. I journal every single morning and um, I also recite what I wrote yesterday in the morning because um, it helps you, you know, remember it better. And then speaking it out loud is like a much more powerful thing than just like reading it quickly or skimming it. So, you know, I'm going to go do this on the boardwalk. And um, <clears throat> as I'm uh, walking down, I see Jeff Bezos. And, um, you know, so I like played it real cool. And I, you know, stealthily walked by him, you know. And then I like snapped a pic just in case nothing would come back. I still saw him at least. And um, yeah, and then, you know, I went up to him and I was like, you know, hey, my name's Steve. Uh, I really admire what we did. Uh, and I was like, thanks. And that was it, you know. Happy little Steve. And um, that was crazy to me. I was pretty shocked even at that point. But um, yeah, so then I called Rob. And Rob, so Rob's my co-founder and, you know, Rob is like, oh, that's great, you know, but like, what did you do about it? And I was like, oh, I, I went up to him and talked to him and Rob was like, eh, not that cool. I was like, what the hell? You know, um, I can't believe you just said that that's not that cool. And so then I was like, you know, pacing, sweating frantically, and like, what am I going to do about this? And I thought to myself, you know, like Rob's comment made a lot of sense and it's very true to who I am. Like kids from Rochester where I grew up never get to meet Jeff Bezos. So I got on the bike, uh, jumped bike, and I biked. You know, I, first of all, I canceled the meeting. <clears throat> canceled the meeting with my friend immediately, got on a bike, biked to our office, like three miles away. You know, so I'm like soaked in sweat at this point. I, and when I'm there, I pack him like a really nice package of Tenzo, and I write him a letter. So if you don't know about Jeff Bezos, one thing that he really believes in is the regret minimization framework, which is you're going to go through life. We're all going to look back on our lives um, at that time. And I don't want to be the man in the mirror that's looking back and that's filled with regret or remorse in any sort. You know, and so I referenced that and I wrote this a very respectful, humble letter. Not like, you know, Jeff, love your work, Steve. No, it was like well thought out, like a full you know, like multi-paragraph letter. And at the bottom, you know, I put my, my name, phone number, email, all that good stuff. So, and then I'm biking, now I'm, I'm biking back with my package to the point where I last saw him. At this time, I'm like wondering like, you know, how am I gonna find him? Like, where is he gonna be? And I'd worked up this whole skit in my head that I was gonna go to the most ritzy hotel in Santa Monica. I was going to go right in all confident, take my package and just slam it on the like on the counter in front of the service guy and say, this is for Jeff Bezos. He needs it urgently. You know, and hopefully that would convince him um, to be like, Oh sure. Jeff Bezos. I know right where he is and then go give it to him. But um, you know, this is a great part. As I'm 10 feet from the front door, Jeff Bezos walks out uh, like literally at the exact same time. And if you're, you know, and I, I'm like soaked in sweat. I like threw my arms. I was like, no way. You know, and Jeff looks at me like, what? 
And um, yeah, so I went up to him and I told him exactly what I told you guys. I said, you know, I'm, you know, 25 years old from Rochester, New York, and I'm an entrepreneur and I'm really inspired by you. And um, kids from where I grew up don't get to meet people like you. So I had like a 10 minute conversation with him. You know, and he asked me all about Tento. I show him all the stuff in the bag, yada, yada. And, um, and so we had, it was like, this is like in incredible. And um, so now I'm like walking away, like, I'm not even walking at this point. I'm sprinting home. Like I called my dad, my mom, I called Rob like 100 times. Rob was on a plane. He had so many missed calls for me. And, um, and yeah. And so as I'm running home, you know, this is really crazy, but Jeff emails me and he's got a picture of Tenzo and he's like, nice work. And you know, with like a bunch of exclamation points and he's literally drinking our, my product. So that was crazy. And then, so now I'm like, oh my God, like I'm like literally, I don't even know what's going on at this point. And um, then he emailed me, actually he double emailed me, he sent me another email and he said, no regrets, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. You know, and I think that that's the perfect epitome of, of the story, you know, is that like you, you got to put it all on the line. Um, and if you do, then situations like that can come up. But, you know, if I don't drop out of school, you know, if I don't start this matcha company, you know, and if I don't have a co-founder that's pushing me and I don't really go for it, I don't get the opportunity to ever have that experience. So no regrets. Steve, I want to transition and segue into somehow you've got this following now. You've got all these disciples on LinkedIn. For those who have seen Steve's page, I think he has at last count 54,000 followers uh, seeing what he's putting out there. And we talk a lot at Athletes Touch about online presence and social media and how do you maximize your brand and all these things. I think Steve, you, you might want to share a, was this intentional? B, how did you go from zero to 54, 56,000? Uh, and, and C, what do you think it is that is allowing people to, to come into your life and want to be a part of what you're sharing? Yeah, really good question. I mean, you know, to be frank, like, I really believe that, you know, writing, you know, so my whole goal, by the way, uh, regret minimization, maximum impact. And, um, you know, you look at the people that have impacted humanity the most over the, and what I mean by the most is, you know, high impact over a very long period of time. You have to write, you know, and maybe that'll change in our era because we have video or, you know, audio and things like that, but you really need to write and you need to write well. And, I made it a point to write consistently um, for a long period of time. And, um, you know, so that is step one. And when I dropped out of school, I wrote a post, you know, about it. And people called me crazy. And um, a lot of people were like, wow, you know, like, you, you go, kid. And um, uh, that went super viral, you know. And at the time, that was like 100,000 views or something. And I, yeah, and so then I went through like a period of time where I kept that, you know, very much to myself. And you know, I met this guy named Josh Fetcher, another entrepreneur, and um, he was like, writing is, you know, when you write and you build a network, it puts you in this ring outside of business. And no matter what I do for the rest of my life, I will always have a network of people that can support me, a network of people that are aligned with my values. That's really how it started. But you know, going into the actual aspect of growing it, it's, it's really just, you know, discipline, consistency, and uh, improvement over time. I mean, you know, I'm, I may not be the best writer in the world, but I'm, you know, more consistent than anybody else, you know, and literally, it's like a function of time and learning. 
and eventually like over time like i i i know like the back of my hand like how well a post is going to do i know how to write to stir your heartstrings and i think that that is you know looking back on several like you know this is like two and a half three years i've been writing really consistently on linkedin now it's like it's a long term game you know and i committed to a long term game i literally tell myself this like i'm playing a 100 year game with the world now i'm not playing for one year i'm playing a 100 year game you know, and so I think that, you know, you think about like, what is the strategy that goes into a hundred year game? You know, you need, you need to act in a much different way. You know, I'm not here selling snake oil. I'm selling a product that's been around for 900 years that has the potential to actually make a massive impact. And yeah, I mean, it, the, the benefits are insane, totally insane. Um, it literally brings people that are exactly my value set per inbound into my life. You know, whether that is sale, like deals, we get so many deals through LinkedIn. We've gotten investors through LinkedIn. Yeah, you know, I mean, I could go on and on and on. This is powerful stuff. You know, kudos to you for, you know, doing it and, and, and being a man of, you know, action as opposed to just talking about doing stuff like you, like a lot of people do in this world. So. Another great story in the books. Who's inspired with me? Kent, where do people go from here? God, Justin, I'm so glad you asked me that question. Everybody today, we're so excited to have you on this show. If you're interested in our Rocket Fuel Accelerator, if you'd like to join membership at Athletes Touch, go to our awesome website at www.athletestouch.co and we'll see you soon. If you want to look us up on our social handles, LinkedIn and Twitter, Athletes Touch, at Athletes Touch. Thanks, guys.